Welcome to the Edible Alpha podcast series, your source for actionable insights into making money in food. I'm Tara Johnson, the Tara's Way Lady, and we're here to talk to a wide range of stakeholders about what it really takes to grow a financially viable food business. Well, hey, James, thanks for joining us today. Happy to be here, Tara. Thank you for inviting me. It's so great um, to talk to you because you are are providing a solution to a lot of the farms that we work with that is really important. So I think the way we should start is just to have you introduce yourself and your company. Yeah, my name is James Mayako. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Barn to Door. Uh, Barn to Door is a company based in Seattle, Washington, whose sole mission is to help farmers to grow and manage their direct sales. Pretty simple, but a lot it of work. It's simple <laughs> and so much work. And it's something that so many farmers really have trouble with, right? And that was before COVID and then COVID happened and oh my God, everybody was scrambling. I bet you got really busy. We've had an insanely busy year, uh, but we were even busy before COVID. I think we grew 10x in 2019 and we grew another 10x in 2020. Um, So it's just been amazing to see how many farmers across the country have just been, you know, clamoring for this type of solution. Yeah. And just wasn't weren't aware of it. So as right. we continue to drive market awareness and attract new customers, candidly, we get about sixty five percent of all of our our farmers come inbound to us actually uh, yeah. asking to sign up, which is really cool. That's amazing. So was it you who had the idea to start this company, or oh, was that, by no means, were you part I, of the I, team. No, I'm I'm just the operator. That's why I'm the oh, COO. Uh, no, yeah. Janelle is the founder and CEO of the company. Uh-huh. Uh, Ten years ago, um, she actually had founded a a different company. It was a, a marketplace. Uh, she had been oh. a chef and wanted to source local uh, food, uh, and she was based here in the Seattle area. We have about forty thousand farms in Washington. Uh, but she found it incredibly difficult to to source those local farms and, and discover them. Uh, mm. So not unlike many, you know, I think, you know, entrepreneurs, she initially thought, well, I should go build a marketplace. Um, and there's, candidly, there's about 100 marketplaces uh, plus all around the country. Uh, probably the largest is Amazon Fresh. And there's a variety of others like Good Eggs and Imperfect Foods. And these these are all good businesses and, and nothing negative to say about them, but they're a very different type of business. Um, right. And so when she went down that path, um, what she discovered is, number one, is that when she was building a marketplace, she had to, number one, she had to pay to acquire all the buyers to come to the marketplace, which is very expensive. Mm. Number two, she found that, you know, there was a disconnect between the farmer and the customer, right? The farmers would, you know, put some products through a marketplace, but not all of their business. They might drop off some of their products with a marketplace and sell some products, but then they would go make direct deliveries to other distributors or other chefs or consumers whom they had direct relationships with. So she she found she was effectively just paying to drive demand for a portion of their business and not right. truly helping farmers solve their bigger problem. So she shut that company down after about four and a half years ago and started Barn to Door uh, six years ago. Uh, the focus here with Barn to Door was actually building the solution for farmers to run their business and manage all of their sales, regardless of whether or not they're selling retail or wholesale. So the core behind Barn to Door was, hey, we want farmers to own their relationships with their customers, regardless of the type. Secondly, unlike marketplaces, she did not want to take any percentage of their sales, right? Marketplaces Mm -hmm. make their money on taking a large percentage of sales of the farmer. Barn to Door takes no percentage of sales from farmers. Uh, farmers, you know, pay us a software fee, and certainly there's a processing fees that goes to the card providers. But other than that, the farmers earn 100% of what they make. Uh, and that's that's fantastic. It's a very different business model and puts more money in the pocket of farmers. Yeah, no, that's great. And it solves this huge problem for farmers, right? All this transactional stuff on their website that is just debilitating for most farmers, actually, when they try to solve it themselves. Yeah, you know, we've got about 100 employees here 
what, what should wow. tell you just how difficult it is to actually do all the things that we do. Right. Um, and so yeah. you've been at this for how many years? So I'm trying to this do is, the math. Barn to Door just celebrated its sixth anniversary. Okay. Um, and you're up to 100 employees. That's amazing. Yep. And we'll probably add a, probably 75 to 100 more in the next 12 to 18 months. That's how fast Whoa. we're growing. Yep. Good for you. Yeah, it's a lot of work, but we're thrilled to be doing it. Um, candidly, it just goes to show that not only is there demand for the farmers, but it's 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 underscoring the fact that the demand exists from buyers who want to purchase from farmers directly, right? Yeah. Uh, I think the best example, Tara, is you can talk to anybody in the country and ask them, hey, can you tell me five local microbreweries? And they can just rattle them off, right? Right. And anybody walking in a bar is going to buy a microbrewery before they purchase uh, you know, one of the commodity beers. Well, why right. is that? The reason why they want to buy from local microbreweries, number one, they know it's a higher quality product, right? Everybody wants a high quality product. Uh, and number two, they know it's locally produced, right? So that means they're going to be supporting a local business and they're going to be keeping the money local. And then the third benefit of that is that you're also lowering the carbon footprint because the product is made locally, it's consumed locally. So that's that's. And it doesn't is delivered locally or picked mm. up locally. So that's a fantastic outcome. And so, you know, the buyers, when you look at buyers in the country right now, nine out of 10 buyers want to buy local. They literally mm. just don't know how to discover or find farmers. And that's what we're trying to teach farms how to do is how to be accessible, how to discover and enable buyers to engage with them directly so they can have that one-to-one personal relationship with their buyers and own the brand and the customer relationship. Right. So why don't we, that's, that's, yeah, that, that whole, that holistic view of this is so important, right? Cause, cause otherwise you're kind of like transactional software, but that's not actually what you are. So um, let's, let's go back though, and just talk about how, how you developed your software and what it does. And then we'll go on to the broader stuff of all the, things you do to support your farms? Yeah, probably one of the most thing, most important things to distinguish us versus other you know, solutions in the market is that number one is we're exclusively focused on serving farmers. And so we're not interested in, in helping people sell watches or swim trunks, right? You know, right. We're, and we're not just a, we, we don't want to just produce websites. That's not our business. Mm-hmm. Um, what we want to do is we want to help farmers be successful with, again, selling to, to their customers through every channel. Um, right. And certainly a website's one of those channels. But so we really try to pair what we do between software and services. So that's why it's called software as a service. But we really pride ourselves on not only delivering a solution, but also providing the support and the resources to help farmers, you know, make better informed decisions, right? Because we're sitting on an enormous amount of data to help farmers make better informed decisions. So mm-hmm. we can start with the software first, if you'd like, Tara. Yeah, and then let's if just you start and then the we'll build out. We yeah. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so on the software side, Barn Door really focuses first and foremost on helping farmers be able to conduct a transaction and engage their buyers through every touch point, right? Buyers are not just on a website. They're engaging with you through email. They're engaging you through social media. Uh, they might be on Nextdoor. Um, you know, your buyers are, are everywhere. They're on every channel and your farm can't afford to only do business through one channel, right? We find that the right. most successful farmers are using at least two to three channels to reach and engage the buyers. Uh, so that's, that's number one, right? So we, we need to make it turnkey for farmers mm-hmm. to be able to manage their products uh, and make them available for purchase through all those channels. That's the number one thing. But the second thing there, um, as you know, is that farmers have a a wide diversity of inventory. And when people place a purchase and want to be able to purchase from a farmer, candidly, they don't actually want to pick up the phone, nor do they want to text them or email the farmer. Um, Mm -hmm. If you go that route, it takes on average about seven to eight touches to complete a transaction which is really kind of counterintuitive. That takes a lot of time. And I've never met a farmer who has extra time on their hand, right? Yeah. Um, 
And the reality is, is if you look at the numbers, you know, 93% of Americans purchased something online last year, right? So mm-hmm. it's not like people don't know how to purchase online. They, everyone knows how to make a purchase online. Trillions of dollars gets purchased online all the time. And so the thing is we're trying to do is enable farmers to put their products in the inventory up and making them accessible online through every one of those channels. So if you send a newsletter to your customers, they should be able to make a purchase. If they see your farm on social media or, you know, maybe they see a posting in next door, they should be able to click make a purchase. If they go to your website or if they're on their mobile phone, they should be able to make a purchase. Think of Amazon, right? Amazon makes it incredibly convenient for buyers, right? And they're spending trillions of dollars there without ever picking up the phone, without ever calling or texting anyone at Amazon. They literally just find the products, choose a pickup or delivery date, and how that product's going to be you know, fulfilled, right. and then they purchase it. That's it. So we're trying to make it that simple farmer for farmers. But of course, Tara, as you know, there's a lot of nuance behind the scenes that are truly unique to farming. Right. Well, and also just, I'm just hearing you think of all, talk about all those channels and I now understand why you have a hundred people, right? Like yeah. <laughs> just to make that work functionally is a lot of work on the back end. I, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of work on the back end. So we really try to focus on two aspects of that. One is how do you help a farmer grow their business? And then secondly, how do you manage your business? So on the grow side, just like you said, you know, we have to have, you know, deep integrations with Facebook, uh, with with MailChimp, uh, with Squarespace. And these are not easy things to do. It sounds simple, but you know, our integration with MailChimp, for instance, we're one of their top 10 partners in the world. Squarespace, the same thing. And, you know, it took Hmm. months and months. We're fully certified. You know, we have an entire engineering team. They go through, they check off and make sure all of our APIs are working correctly. In fancy, in simple terms, what that means is they're just making sure that the data transmits between our solution and their solution securely and with a with a click of a button right because a farmer doesn't want to like download and upload data between systems it just needs to work for them right Right. so we we go through the steps there to make sure that all is just turnkey for the farmer right and and of course the partners at mailchimp etc they love this too because what's great about this is email is an incredibly effective vehicle for uh, for marketing for farmers it doesn't cost anything for for you to send an email to use a solution like mailchimp you can get started for free right. uh, and what's great about it is your entire barn door product catalog will will upload and is just fully integrated right within your mailchimp newsletter right and what right. we find terry is is that when farmers send regular emails and if they engage their buyers, they'll see about a 30% uplift in their average order size simply by making their products available via email and mm-hmm. emailing their customers at least once a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, when I, when we work with um, some of the, some of the brands that we are, so we work with farms and brands at FFI and the brands that have built the largest businesses online are the ones that have really gotten this integration with their exactly what you said, um, being able to order through email blasts that they send out through MailChimp and, and they also do promotions and things tied to it. Right. It's, it's so important and so hard to do without software to help you like you guys do. Yeah. The big thing there that, becomes really problematic for many farmers is, is if you don't have a solution that's tightly integrated, then you're going to have different list of people. So like exactly. if somebody signs up on your website versus that they sign up, sign up for to subscribe to your newsletter, those two systems, if they don't talk to each other, you're going to have two different list of people. Uh, and by having an integration between MailChimp and barn to door we make sure that the contacts are always up to date and they're always synced, right? right? So whether somebody purchases through your store, right, on any one of those channels I mentioned, they're going to get added to your email list. Right. If they happen to subscribe for your newsletter, they're going to get automatically added into your buyer list on your farm store as well. So it, 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 again, reduces the work for the farmer and ensures, again, that they're going to be able to keep all their contacts up to date across both systems. Right. And so this is a great example. Let's keep going with this one. So 
this is an example. So I'm thinking, okay, now you have this capability that's so powerful. And now in the data shows that it works as a sales and marketing tool for farmers. How do you, how do you help farmers understand how to use this capability? Yeah, that's, that's a great question, Tara, right? So we're, we're fortunate to be in a position where we literally have millions of page views every month across all the farms that we support. Hundreds of thousands of buyers are buying from these farms uh, you know, every single month. And it's fantastic mm-hmm. to see that support. Uh, but what that allows us to do in, in the position that we are is that we have an enormous amount of aggregated data based on farm type that we can look at. So we know uh, definitively what types of packaging and products work for a pasture poultry farmer uh, versus a produce farmer versus a dairy, right? That's so interesting. Yeah, it's just data, you know, it removes the opinions, right? So you and I can both have differences of opinion, but it's totally different than when you look at the data, right? Right. Probably one of the best examples, Tara, too often we hear of farmers who want to offer a, a subscription box to produce or or to uh, to some pasture proteins, and they want to mm-hmm. set it up where buyers can have choice, right? Hey, I want people just to be able to assemble their own box and mix and match and everything else. Um, that that's actually not what you want to do. The data tells you just the opposite of that. Interesting. And, and ironically, the most successful farms don't do that. What they do is they say, look, first off, you need to package your products. Number one, you need to package your products based on the demographics of buyers in America. So one third of people live alone. Another right. third of people live with two people. And the other third live with three or more people. So one of the big mistakes we see is that most people create their packaging too big because they mm. think everybody has a chest freezer or everybody lives with a family of four. And so they give them too much produce or too many proteins and it's too much to consume. And so it goes bad and they don't mm. keep buying from the farmer because mm. they can't consume that much product, right? Or better yet, they don't have a chest freezer to right. buy half an animal. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, if you if you actually package it in in to to think about the the single and the couple, and to think about people who have just a regular size freezer, guess what? Purchasing goes up. It goes up mm-hmm. dramatically. Farmers sell out. In fact, they're it, farmers who package for singles and and for two person, and they reduce the size of packaging, they sell out more often. In fact, they earn on average about two times more than farmers who sell like in a quarter half whole model or sell right. only large subscription boxes. So right. you really have to think about packaging. And then the other thing back on choice, what you end up undercovering is, is that if you give people too many choices, uh, conversion goes down. Whereas (laughs) if you simply give them, Hey, here's what, here's our recommended bundle, right. Or here's our recommended salad mix, or here's our spring, um, you know, produce mix. And here's the types of products you're going to get week over week. Guess what? The conversion, because you just made it simple. Is, mm-hmm. is about ninefold higher. Like, so like a nine to one <laughs> conversion so rate simply by just making it point and click. Yep. I sign up for the small or medium size, you know, weekly share of produce uh, to my house. Right. And the best part about it, Tara, is that makes it easier for the farmer uh, and to assemble their product, to assemble their boxes, because they're not trying to build fully customized boxes for each individual order. Right. So right. you're actually lowering the cost for the farmer too. Right. Right. And, and, you know, for the, for the protein people, then they don't end up, you know, selling all their steaks, but they can't get rid of other parts. <laughs> yep. You nailed it. Uh, probably that's, um, with proteins specifically, we have a, a lot of data on this one. Um, and we, we publish lots of great books on, you know, why bundle boxes work and how to use them effectively. Uh-huh. Um, and so like one of the things you see with bundle boxes, if you talk to any pork farmer, every pork farmer is going to tell you they can sell the pork chops and the bacon all day long, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's the trotters, it's the tongue, it's these other things like that maybe, you know, that is frightening to a consumer. They wouldn't know what to do with it. Right. Uh, right. But, you know, farmers know how to take those products and, you know, grind them into sausage, right? And, mm-hmm. and give them other types of cuts. 
And to your point, you know, if you just simply say, hey, you want the bacon? Well, if you want the bacon, you need to make a commitment to, to buy, you know, a 10-pound uh, pasture proteins box monthly, right? Mm-hmm. If you and, and the bacon's the enticement to sign up for that. Uh, mm-hmm. If you want the pork loin, then you need to step up to the, you know, the 15-pound the, the uh, box, you know, monthly, right? And then ah, you get the pork I loin see. or the pork yeah, belly, right? Yeah. Um, and there's even some really cool ways where we have some unique patents patent pending capabilities to actually unlock things. So if you make a commitment to a certain box uh, or a certain size of product, it can unlock and make other products available to the buyers oh, who've stepped into that. So yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, data is so powerful in the food industry. Like big food companies don't, they don't make a single move without looking at a whole bunch of data. And here we are as farmers trying to make decisions based on no data whatsoever, right? Um, so you having access to that is very powerful. And, and the fact that you're sharing that, right, and it is super powerful for farmers. Yeah, we, we're right now trying to, uh, on a quarterly basis now, we're, we've, we're, we're publishing an ebook on a particular area of data now. Uh, this past This past quarter, we published a book called insights from the top 100 farm websites in America. Nice. Um, and so what we did with that is we looked across thousands of sites. We literally have built thousands and thousands of sites. Right. Uh, but we went to the, again, the highest grossing, the, you know, the highest growing farm. So it wasn't just the highest grossing alone. We also looked at the farms that were smaller and grew at the highest uh-huh. rate. And, you know, what many farmers make the mistake of doing is they put too much information on their website um, and they have too many pages and there's not clear calls to action. Um, and so oh, what they do is yeah, because, as you know, farmers are passionate about what they do. And, you know, right. they want to tell you about this breed of pig or they want to tell you about mm-hmm. this unique mushroom or this unique, you know, all the varieties of turmeric that they grow, right? And all the nuances of it. But when you do that, uh, you actually, conversion goes down. So mm. we published an ebook that broke out like, hey, what's the optimal number of pages? Uh, should you have a blog? And if you do, how often do you need to publish on it? Uh, uh-huh. What are the most common types of pages? Uh, what are the common types of directories? You know, how many calls to action do you need to have on a page, et cetera? And all of this is, is again, not our perception, it's actually data-driven, right? So we yeah. publish that. It's freely available to anybody. Anybody can go to barndoor.com backslash resources and download the ebook completely free. Nice. Nice. So what are a couple of tips on there about what, well, you shared one about don't go on too much, right, about varieties and stuff. What else? Uh, probably one of the biggest one is you actually have to put a call to action, which is shop, right? Believe it or not, yeah. you can go to so many websites today of a farmer and there's no clear call to action of like, how do I get in touch with you? How do I, yeah. how do I make a purchase? Do you have inventory available? When do you deliver? Right. Like all, all the basics. Like, so farmers are really good about sharing their passion for the quality of the product that they, that they produce in, in the care that they put into their land and in, into the mm-hmm. care of their animals. Uh, if they're raising livestock, that's fantastic to convey it. Well, now you want to capitalize on all that hard work and get your enable your buyers to shop from you, right? So make yeah. it easy. And so probably one of the biggest mistakes we see is they fail to include a very clear call to action to shop, and not just on the homepage, but on every page. So if mm. people are going through and discovering and looking at things, as people are scrolling through, there should always be a call to action to shop or to learn more to keep people engaged on your website and get them to the outcome they're looking for, um, which is to make a purchase from your farm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? I, I worked with somebody who was doing kombucha making, home brewing mm-hmm. kombucha kits. And she told me that um, her conversion rate went way up when she put a shop thing on every single page, but also she changed the color to orange in her case. It was like, okay, you know, it had to it had to stand out. It, it wasn't like this little thing buried in the bottom that was Bingo. shop, you know? Yeah we're, yeah, we're experts at this. This is this is what we do, and this is part of working with us is that we bring all the expertise and experience we've had. And, and I'll share some more data with you across all the farms we service in America, right? So right. Here's, here's the thing. If you go to any general e-commerce site, and if you look at conversion data in America right now, 
probably one of the most important pieces of data people look at is what's called cart conversionment or cart abandonment. So like how many mm. people put items in their cart and then abandon, leave without actually mm. closing the transaction? In, in the past year, that number, cart abandonment has become exceedingly high because huh. everybody is shopping online now, like everyone, especially yeah. when COVID came. And then once people began to realize just how convenient it is to shop online, more people are shopping online right, and, they're, right. and they're not going back to, to the ways that they were doing things differently. It doesn't mean they don't want to shake hands and meet you, et cetera. But candidly, people would rather just press a button and have something show up on their doorstep, whether it's a consumer mm -hmm. or a chef. And so what you saw last year in America is that cart abandonment rates jumped up to about 90 to 95%, depending on what, what data you look at. So that That's means crazy. only about 5 to 10% are actually completing a transaction. Uh, Pre-COVID, those numbers were about 15 to 20% in, in, across all the e-commerce in terms of completion, right? So about an 80 to 85% abandonment. Uh, so barn to door through, through COVID, even with all this shopping, we, we've consistently had a 49% uh, cart completion rate. Right. It's incredibly high. It's incredibly high, yeah. right? I had yeah. no idea. 95% abandonment rate. That's yep. amazing. Wow. Yeah. What, and, I, wow. And you want to so, drive conversion. And so that, that's mm -hmm. just what we focus on. It's like, hey, you want to be thinking about all the touch points that customers having with you and making it very clear and easy for them to shop and to check out. Mm-hmm. Right. And what is what are the barriers that get in the way? Uh, probably the number one barrier that most farmers make the mistake of doing is that they, um, first off, they have no, um, they have no e-commerce, right? They mean right. they, they simply have a, a call me, contact right. me, call Facebook me. message me, right? Yeah. That, I, I hate to say that, but that's absolutely the last thing you ever want to do. Just ask yourself, could Amazon have grown? Could any business, you know, that you think of in the CPG space, consumer goods, grow to the size that they are with a model where you pick up the phone and call them? Mm -hmm. The answer is no, right? If you want to grow and be successful at scale, you, you need to make it easy for people to place a purchase because they're going to purchase at all hours of the day. We see it. <laughs> yep. um, especially chefs place orders between one and two o'clock in the morning, like after yeah, the closing. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Right? Um, so number one, you have to put your product up, make it available, uh, make your inventory available online for somebody to be able to make a purchase. Secondly, uh, the key thing here is that you want to remove any barrier for them to create an account. Um, many mm -hmm. solutions out there today require you to register as a buyer or register as a member uh, before you can make a purchase from that farm. It's really right. sad to me. And, and, and candidly, we're friends with all the other uh, players in this market. And we've actually given them and shared the feedback, that the data that we know is that they're going to lose about 67% of all buyers who come to their website if they compel them to sign up for an account. And so there are other solutions yeah. out there that require you to step through one, two, three, literally five to seven steps before you're even allowed to put an item in your cart. That's just, mm -hmm. that's asinine. You literally should be able to show up at the store, you know, and shop as a guest. Even people who have accounts, I have an account with REI, but most times I go to REI, if I want to purchase something, you know, I, I just throw it in my cart and I check out as a guest, right? Right. Yeah. You and me both. Like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time you to know, remember my password. <laughs> I know, exactly. And then I'm going to go look it up and I'll oh, forget yep. that. No, yep. that that makes total sense to me too. Um, yeah, I rarely sign up for, for those things. So that's that's really interesting. So yeah, like like not anything to make it easier, not a lot of steps. Yeah, it's really critical. Really um, critical. And then the other yeah. things we've really invested in is the thing we appreciate the most about farmers is that farmers are curious people and they're always mm -hmm. eager to learn, right? Yeah. Um, we all know that farmers are super underappreciated. No, no one's really, you know, in the in the um, in the business world pays enough attention to or appreciates even as consumers. Mm -hmm. uh, most consumers can't, can't name five farmers. They can all name five microbreweries, but they can't name five farmers. And that's a shame because right. farmers are working, you know, around the clock, seven days a week. They're subject to weather. They're subject to market forces outside of their control. And they're taking all this risk to, to feed our country. Mm -hmm. And we should be appreciating that incredible hard work that they do. 
Um, and you know, they show up and when we get a chance to work with them, they're, they're like, Hey, what can we do to be better? They're actually curious. They're always looking to, to, to do it themselves. Right. And I love this, yeah. that the fact that farmers are DIY by nature, they have to be right. Yeah. They have to solve problems. So in our business, we, we're not, we're not here to, you know, kind of hold, you know, hold things back from farmers and keep things, you know, behind some kind of gated wall. We take a, mm-hmm. rever- a reverse approach to that, right? We want we want to teach them how to fish, right? right? So we really invest in what we call boot camps and then what we call our academy. Uh, the concept of boot camps are they're just really quick one-on-one courses that they can do on a, you know, on an on-demand basis to learn, you know, insights around like, Hey, what are the best tactics to, to do delivery? Uh, what are the, some of the best tactics that I can do if I want to set up subscriptions? Uh, what should I be thinking about uh, in terms of packaging and pricing my products? And so we just make those all freely available to anyone, regardless of whether or not they're a customer bonded or not. Anybody who's listening right now can go sign up for a boot camp and get all this data and also have open Q and a with us at any time. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome experience. That's cool. Um, and then for, for farms who do become customers of barn to door, um, and we, we enable them to sign up for what we call academy classes. And these are classes taught by certified trainers, including farmers, certified farmers who work with Barnador, who've had success. And they're done in a small class virtual format. We limit it to always like 20 people, no more than that. So there's always, there's always a queue for farms mm-hmm. who always want to get into our academy classes, which is great. Um, but then farmers are coming alongside, they get to sit in a virtual class and we teach a 201, 301 and a 401 class, for instance, like in social media or in Mm. email marketing. Um, and they're going to get to learn all the basics. So in the email marketing one, for instance, taught, taught by a MailChimp certified instructor, we have a farmer who's also certified, who also participates and talks about how she's had success with her business. But we'll teach them, you know, like the really more advanced capabilities of like, how do you create drip campaigns? How do you do mm. uh, a customer journey? How do you leverage things like smart recommendations to to spur add-on purchases, right? All these things, you know, are, you know, they sound complicated, but candidly, if you slow down, you can actually speed up by automating a lot of the things in your business and save your farm a lot of time. And more importantly, increase the average order size and sales that you're going to get from your customers. Right. And so are, is our Academy classes all in person or are they online too? They're all virtual. They're virtual because farmer, yeah. the farmers live. are everywhere, but they're live, right. live with live instructors, live Q and A, and there's actually a worksheet that comes out of each one, each class. Uh-huh. There's a class that, like we give a little bit of homework, right? Because yeah, if you're investing in course. academy, we want you to learn alongside other yeah. farmers. And what's probably the most enjoyable part of the academy classes is seeing the relationships that get built between the farmers in different parts of the country who then continue those relationships thereafter. But they also find out that they're not alone, right? Mm -hmm. That they're a farm like another farm that's having challenges or they're learning from another farm. Hey, this dairy did this. Maybe I can apply that to to my microgreen farm. I love the way that Mm -hmm. dairies have done these types of subscriptions or how they've created this welcome campaign. Let me do the same thing for my microgreen farm. Guess what? It works, right? And so we teach them like A-B testing, you know, because there's no perfect recipe. There's no blueprint of this works for everyone. Every farm's unique. Every market's unique. Their customer, uh, you know, personas, the people that they serve are unique. But you want to give them the litany of tools you know, that are available to them. So they know which tools to pull out of the toolbox and they feel confident with those tools. You know, do I need a wrench or do I need a screwdriver? Well, you need to know how to use a wrench and a screwdriver really well to know, you know, which tool you need to to solve a problem. Right. Right. No. And our experience is that everything around these topics of digital sales in particular is just it's just like this big, scary black box for lots of farmers not just farmers, like anybody who's trying to do go into this world for the first time. It's, it's scary because there's so much you have to learn. Yeah. You really want to, um, and I think, I think this is one of the things that we take great pride in at Barn to Door and I encourage anyone to just go to Google and, you know, Google Barn to Door. You can go read the Google reviews and you'll see just raving reviews from farms who 
just appreciate our success team. So every farm that comes on board with us gets an onboarding manager. We have a checklist sign-up process. I mean, a checklist in the onboarding process of the steps that we're going to take you through. But then nice. they have an account manager that works with them to mm-hmm. tailor, you know, the, uh, and strategize with them you know, the, the tactics to implement to help them be successful because everyone's priorities and goals might be different, right? Some right. farms, some farms, you know, like, guess what? You know, they're, they're breeding livestock on a two-year pathway. They can't just grow infinitely, right? You know, right. other farms, on the other hand, might be, you know, um, land constrained, right? And so they're selling out. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But now it's like they, they have to go lease more land before they can sell more, right? right? So, you know, a lot of things are really focused in on like, how do you manage your farm and save time? And so mm-hmm. really that's time's the most imp- uh, a precious asset for farms is saving time. Sure. But then secondly, for farms that do want to grow is then identifying, you know, what are the most efficient routes to grow and let's work on a strategy with you to help you be successful. And this is part of the relationship. We want a relationship with each farm we work with. And that's mm-hmm. why we're also, Tara, growing our team. Cause we, in fact, we just hired two more account managers just yesterday, uh, nice. just cause, you know, we just got to keep adding in those folks who can be available to have those one-on-one conversations with farms. Yeah, because it's also dynamic, right? They start, as you said, like suddenly we start, we weren't, we we needed to grow our sales, then we maxed out our sales until we get new land, and then we get more land, and maybe now we have so much land, we have to go into more channels, like it, it you know what I mean? It doesn't, it's not fixed and stagnant. No, it's, it's always changing, and, and as you know, Weather and disasters can play a, can, a huge impact. I mean, you, sure. you know, we have stories, unfortunately, that happen literally every week, right? You oh, know, God, I you don't. Know, whether, it's, whether it's someone's orchard that burns down or, you know, it's a hailstorm that destroys someone's crops uh, or worse yet, it's a, a health situation with some family yeah. member, right? Uh, life happens and farmers, mm-hmm. you know, deal with it. But we, we really, really try to show grace with all the farms we work with. That's if they, awesome. If they, if they need some assistance or they need a break or, you know, hey, we're here to help and we're here, we're human, right? We really mm-hmm. want to have that, you know, that, you know, personal relationship with those farms. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think the flip side of it too is that when farms, you know, want to talk about some of those tactics, probably one of the biggest things, and I appreciate this especially about, especially about your organization, is really thinking about the financial well-being well-being right. of your farm and how to build sustained recurring cash flow yep. to, to ease the stress uh, for, for your family and for your farm. So that's probably the area where we are most passionate about because we know it literally saves marriages and saves farms. Yeah. Uh, we have so many great testimonials from farms, how their lives have been changed simply by moving from, you know, just one-time purchases, right? They, you know, farms mm-hmm. have all these kind of just scattered one-time purchases. And it's like, you know what, guess what? Your customers are going to keep eating every single day, every week and every month. They don't get a choice, <laughs> right? you know? So um, invite your customers to subscribe to your products, right? You know, mm-hmm. they're going to keep drinking milk every week. So make it easy to sign up for a dairy subscription. Uh, they're going to keep eating meat. They're going to keep eating vegetables. And we like to tell farms like, look, whether you're a chef or you're a consumer, your purchase list week over week looks 90% the same, no matter yeah. what, both wholesale and retail. And so, you know, we support multiple price lists, of course, but you can set up subscriptions that are appropriate for those different audiences. So mm-hmm. if you're a farm that's selling to schools and to chefs, great. You can set up a set of subscriptions that are only visible to those wholesale buyers with the unique set of delivery dates and packaging and pricing just for them. But don't try to sell to them once because they're going to keep consuming your product. Set it up so you can have a subscription, so you have consistent recurring purchases from them. And that then allows you to streamline your operations, your harvest dates, your pick pack list, everything. And the yeah, exact same thing huge. is true for, for, your, uh, for your consumers. And what you're going to find is, is if you only do one-time purchases, then it creates a lot of work for you as a farmer. You have to constantly go get the sale. You have to constantly remind people. Rather, why not make it easy? Like, I know I'm going to eat. I know myself uh, personally, Tara, I have five subscriptions to farmers <laughs> who deliver mm-hmm. product to my home in Seattle. Yeah. Um, I know precisely who my pasture proteins provider is. Um, like, they make fantastic pork 
uh, products. Uh, their bacon is uh, second to none. The same thing with their right. pork belly and their chops and their sausage. It's like, in you know, for our family, I know how many pounds a, a month we're going to consume. So I get a box delivery from them once a month. Uh, d- dairy and poultry, you know, I get a delivery every week. Produce, same thing, a delivery every week. But I'm fully invested and committed to those farms. Absolutely, I'm willing to commit to, to paying for that. And more importantly, I'm willing to pay for them to deliver it to my doorstep. Right. Um, and that's the other, I think, shocking news to farmers is that many a times they feel like, hey, I, I don't know how I could possibly do a consumer side business. It's one thing selling to wholesale, right? Because wholesale is a large purchase that can justify the delivery cost. But I'm not sure I could ever sell to, you know, 100 consumers, right? That, that I, how, how could so, I possibly sell to them? Right. It's so funny, especially during COVID, I had all these people who were suddenly farmers who were trying to, suddenly they're going to pivot to being online. And they're calling me saying, should I charge for delivery? I don't think people will pay for delivery. I'm like, Oh my God, they, they underpriced their product to begin with, and then they're not charging for delivery. So I'm so glad you're talking about this with them. Yeah. In fact, that's our next piece of data. We're going to publish uh, next month. In fact, our entire ebook is going to be on routing and delivery fees. And it's going to be based on survey data, based on real data collected from farms. How much can you charge for delivery? And at the end of the day, you know, anecdotally, what I can tell you is if your average order value is less than $50, you could probably charge $5 per delivery. Mm-hmm. If your AOV is somewhere between $51 and $100, you could probably get away with 8 to $10. Bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it's over $100, we have several farms that charge $15 per delivery. And guess what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, some of these farms are making 9 to 12 deliveries an hour. Uh, we have right. one dairy that's making 16 deliveries an hour and charges $5 per delivery. It's like, do yeah. the math. Right. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, it's great. We had a farm. So for farmers who are out there who are apprehensive about this, perhaps you are a dairy farmer and perhaps you have a, or a right. produce, pro, pastures, pasture proteins farmer and you've only done wholesale. Uh, let me tell you this story. Um, we have a farmer in, in, in the Midwest in Iowa who was selling exclusively to Whole Foods. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's probably getting about 80 to 80 cents to a dollar uh, per gallon for his product, for his milk mm-hmm. products. Um, meanwhile, Whole Foods, of course, is selling it at six bucks a gallon, right? Uh, right? So during COVID, they're like, hey, look, we'd like to figure out how we can start selling direct given the demand that's out there. They started with us and um, they initially got, you know, started doing a couple of Facebook posts and, you know, put a, put a note, you know, their church bulletin, that type of thing. And guess what? The first month they got 30 deliveries, right? Okay, great. Right. That's a starting point. Uh, two months later, it was over a hundred. Uh, six months later, it's over a thousand. Right? They're Whoa. doing. They, they have three full time delivery drivers now. Um, Whoa. <laughs> yeah, and guess what? They're charging six dollars for the milk, and they're charging five dollars for the delivery fee. Yeah. And now, guess what? Now they're selling other farm products as well because they're right. like, hey, they've already got the delivery route. Yeah. <laughs> People see their trucks right. coming through. It's like, well, if I'm delivering milk and eggs, uh, maybe I can, you know get my neighbor's farm and start delivering some, you know, some of their products as well. Uh, and so this is just a great story where, you know, the farmer's making a massive uplift in margin, right? Because mm-hmm. they're no longer getting paid 80 cents to a dollar on the gallon. They're getting the full six, but they're also building a profitable um, model for delivery, right? Right. And that fully pays for itself. And this is in Iowa, which is a place in the world where people would tell you that, oh, yeah, people, people will never pay for that. They'll pay for it on the coast, but they'll never pay for that in Iowa. This is in central Iowa. We have yeah. farmers in middle of Indiana, Missouri, yeah. Oklahoma, Kansas that charge $5, $10 for delivery. Yeah. Uh, certainly when you're the bigger cities, like if, you have, if you're delivering in Chicago and L.A. and San Francisco and New York, 10 to $15 for delivery is not uncommon for, for yeah. if you have a larger AOV, right? Yeah. So it's, um, you can definitely charge for delivery. Just remember, buyers today are incredibly lazy. We are very much uh, creatures of convenience. And so it's not mm-hmm. uncommon for, you know, uh, you know, millennials, people ages 25 to 39, right? Which mm-hmm. is the largest section of our population now. Not uncommon for them to just place an order from a restaurant five blocks away via Grubhub and pay $10 for a $40 meal to be delivered. Right. Right. They don't even think right. twice about it. Right. So if you're delivering $100 worth of farm products to their house, mm-hmm. you better believe you can absolutely charge 5 to $8 for that. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, the other crazy thing, what years ago, so the, Bill Nyman and Paul Willis, who founded Nyman Ranch Meats, are buddies of mine. And Paul is the, the hog farmer in Iowa. And he was, he was years ago telling me, I, I don't understand it because these chefs will pay more to have our meat FedEx to them than they're actually paying for the meat and they pay it. <laughs> And that was, you know, because they were fulfilling from the West Coast, going to the East Coast. Mm -hmm. But it, it, there's this perception, right, that people won't pay for shipping because I think it's an Amazon Prime thing or something. Mm -hmm. But it's just not true. Yeah. Well, let's let's make a distinction between shipping and delivery, right? Shipping, mm -hmm. candidly, uh, we, we often discourage farms from shipping unless they have truly a geographically unique or shelf-stable product, right? Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, if yeah. you have a geographically unique product, right? Like, mm -hmm. so we have folks who sell, uh, you know, salmon from Alaska, right? right. Well, of course, that's got to be shipped, right? Or coffee yep. from Hawaii. Absolutely, it's yep. got to be shipped. Uh, maple syrup from, you know, Vermont or, yep. or New York. Of course, it's going to be shipped. Um, but you just have to be very careful. The second you put your hand, your your products in the hand of a third party commercial carrier, your loss rates yeah, are no, increased dramatically. You're at their mercy. Massively, right? So yeah. the most important thing to remember is if you're going to use a third party commercial carrier, always stick to two day uh, two day ground. You're going to yeah. because if you don't have to go on an airplane. You don't have to be subject to cabin pressure. The box moves four times, it moves about a quarter of the amount, like in terms of handling. And your mm. loss rate is about a tenth of what it would be with two day ground. So, two day ground is your. Your, your pathway to success if you're going to use a commercial third-party carrier for shipping. Nice. And by the way, there's not a single farm in America that can tell me that they can't, can't serve their market with two-day ground. Because the reality is it doesn't matter that, there, let's say you, you do have product, let's say you're in central, central Utah and you're, you want to ship pastured proteins uh, to, to not only Salt Lake, but to, to the San Francisco area or what have you. Now, two-day ground is going to get you there. Yeah. It doesn't matter that there's somebody out in New York who also wants to buy your product. Candidly, don't worry about it. It's not worth it. Just simply right. focus your delivery areas within two-day ground because you don't have a market demand problem. If you're a pasture proteins provider in central Utah, you couldn't in your wildest dreams service the markets within the two-day ground. Like that mm -hmm. two-day ground from central Utah includes all of Northern California, Utah, Nevada, et cetera. It, I don't care what ranch you are. You can't serve the entire market. So you have a market awareness problem. You don't have a shipping problem, right? right? So we just try to really just try to just be really honest with farmers that if you're going to go with commercial third party for, you know, express service overnight and go beyond that two day ground, just remember your loss rates are going to at least quadruple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And here we have, I work with some farms around here who are one day ground in Wisconsin will get you to Chicago and Minneapolis, which is plenty of people. That's like 20 million people. Bingo. Right? So to get back to your point that you really don't need more than that. Yeah. In fact, from a marketing perspective, you are much, much better in, in concentrating all your marketing, all your brand awareness in one single market. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and Or two markets, right? So if you're, like you said, Minneapolis and Chicago, what you need to be focusing on, and we, we do this at Barn to Door, it's called a rolling thunder approach, right? You want, you want them to not only see the lightning, but you want them to hear it over and mm -hmm. over and over again, mm -hmm. right? So that means, you know, getting your product in the hands of influencers, uh, being engaged, being visible so that they can see and hear about your product from multiple uh, people, right? Right. Um, and concentrate your marketing efforts, right? So you can get really right. narrow with your marketing efforts. With with Facebook, you can get down to, you know, a, a 50-mile radius. With Nextdoor, mm -hmm. you can get down to a 10-mile radius, right, and get really uh, precise with your marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love that rolling thunder. That's awesome. Yeah, it works so, great. <laughs> yeah, it's, so we have just a few minutes more. I wanted. Um, is it what? What else should we know? What's the the future for you guys? I think the the big thing here uh, that's I think the probably the most important thing here is that at Barn to Door we we pride ourselves on focusing on farmers only. That's all mm -hmm. we're going to do. That's all we plan to do. The market is it's a trillion dollar market that nobody mm -hmm. has really gone after to serve very Isn't that aggressively. Crazy? And, and the other thing, too, is that 
it's easy to get focused just on, hey, how do I grow my sales? The other big thing that we really focus a lot of our time and attention on at Barn to Door is on saving time, right? So mm-hmm. a big part of a, a big part of the value proposition, yes, grow your business, get more sales, etc. But the other thing is like, how do I streamline my business and save time? You know, can I just press a button and my pick and pack list just get created? Can I just press a button and have all my delivery and pickup routes, you know, optimized with the click of a button? Uh, can I just press press a button and everything just synchronizes directly into QuickBooks for accounting? Um, can all the taxes just be filed automatically with Avalara? Yes, all these things are true. So right now, farmers are doing a lot of these things manually, right? And they don't they don't mm-hmm. count their time, right? And and I think you know, I think farmers have to really ask themselves like, how many hours do you want to spend trying to you know chase down and and collect cash and checks from people versus just allowing people to pay electronically and getting that money deposited in your bank account in 24 to 48 hours. Right. Uh, we right. see once farmers come on board, you know, payments flip 80% digital, like almost instantly. We certainly yeah. we support farmers with cash and check, but buyers prefer to pay digitally. And here's the other kicker. Buyers are willing to be gracious. So, uh, uh, farmers working with Barn to Door can choose to actually offer the ability for the buyer to cover their fees, their processing fees. Mm-hmm. And so we have some farms that have well over 50% of their customers opting in to cover their processing fees, right? Wow. Which means they're taking their processing fees from about 3% down to like 1.5%. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just, it's just amazing. It's great to see that's gracious. But the other side of it too is, is that when people can purchase with credit card, they not only get the miles, which all the buyers want, but they right. they can they can buy more, and it makes it very easy just to have that recurring subscription, guaranteed money coming into your bank account as a farmer every single month. Right, just fantastic. Right, right, that is fantastic. I think financial well, certainty leads to peace of mind. That's that for me. I know as a, as a business owner too, and as a family man myself, you just want to know that you can cover your bills you can and you can meet your expenses and um, and provide for your family ultimately yeah right and that's so unique for farming right there's so much uncertainty in farming that anything that you can do to to provide some certainty under there is is worth yeah worth its weight in gold right Absolutely. And I would encourage any farmer listening to this, you know, take advantage of the things that Edible Alpha has to offer in terms of all the resources that Tara, you and your team have assembled, right? Just really fantastic. I know we did a podcast with you guys as well, just learning about all the financial guidance and support you offer because, you know, unless you measure it, you can't improve it. And, And that's especially true of your finances both your income and your expenses. So yeah. I just really critical. If you really want to get that certainty and peace of mind in your life and, and have more confidence about your farm business, figure out a way to start measuring, tracking your cash flows, tracking your expenses, and then focus on building recurring revenue. It will, it will change your life and give you a lot more confidence uh, in your business. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, James, for joining us today. It's been awesome to talk. It's a real pleasure. And again, Tara, thank you so much for the invitation. We're delighted to partner with you and love the opportunity to work with any farmers out there who are looking to grow and manage your business uh, with direct sales. Thanks for listening. You can get more podcasts by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And you can learn more about Edible Alpha by visiting our website at ediblealpha.org.